You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, empowered now by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me under the weather, freaking pulling in overtime, going above and beyond, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, this is like the worst time during the year to get sick during the holidays, so I'm sure all of our listeners are appreciative that you're still gutting through it, grinding through it to, to make it for tonight. Yeah, you know, I did not go on IR for today, and you already hear my voice, and it's giving me out, and everyone's everyone's gonna roast me for this, but I'm gonna try to keep it light. Yeah, yeah. I, I woke up, I woke up not feeling well, and it's been a crazy holiday season, but I'm gutting through it. I want to talk about the Broncos, uh, another loss, but a very, very busy week ahead, and I want to get into it. Yep, I mean the alternative, and I'm sure our listeners would not want this, would be to just delay the podcast. So we appreciate you no. gutting through it, bro. Not an option. Onward. That's the attitude. It's not an option. It's not an option. There's so much to talk about and dissect uh, tonight, but we don't have a ton of time just because Zach is under the weather. So let's keep it to the salient points. And before we dive into this, first, I got to remind you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. We're going to be going through the Mile High Mailbag primarily tonight. And if you want to get in on that, you got to jump on Twitter, find at Huddle Up Pod, follow us. And when we send out our questions uh, and and uh, call-outs for the mailbag, ask your question. More often than not, you're going to get into the mailbag. Otherwise, you know, it's we don't know what you want to talk about. We don't know what's on your mind. So uh, other than that, one last piece of business. Make sure you take some time and leave a creative review and rate the show. Give us a five-star rating, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to the show, take some time, review, rate, You have no idea how much it can really help Zach and I in the show reach new listeners and grow. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's dive into this thing. I mean, we could get bogged down talking about the you-know-what show that was week 17 (laughs) for the Denver Broncos. I mean, four turnovers, an offense that just could not get it together. I mean, at least they scored in the first half. You know, they, they at least had a field goal at the end of the second quarter. They were unable to punch it in twice at the end of the second quarter, but at least they came away with a field goal and they weren't shut out yet again in the first quarter. So you got to give them that. But otherwise it was just, you know, you hear the players, Zach, talk about how much they love their coach. They run through a wall for him. We're going to get into a lot more of that aspect, what took place in the Broncos locker room after the game. We'll get more into that here in just a bit, but you hear them, these, these talking points, you hear them say it, and yet the product on the field, the way they have played, especially this last quarter of the season, they're not backing it up on the field. And so maybe, Zach, that's what these guys mean when they say they really feel like they've let their coach down. I mean, listen, I gutted through 16 weeks of Broncos football and I made excuses and I tried to pick out the positives and the moral victories. Uh, this game was nearly unwatchable. It really was torture. I mean, watching a Philip Lindsay list, Emmanuel Sandra list, Broncos offense is a lot. It should be capital punishment to me. It was so bad. And this game, it looked like neither team wanted to win. Like they just wanted to just go home. 
And the Broncos knew it. They knew changes were coming. Brandon Marshall spoke out about it. You know, obviously Vance Joseph knows what his future holds or might hold. Uh, yeah, this game looked like no one wanted to play it. It had the the, the vibe of a preseason game. It was mm. sparsely attended. Uh, it was like 20,000 no-shows. Yep. It was something crazy like that. Yeah, was the most since the Josh McDaniels era. I mean, no one wanted to watch this game. No one wanted to play in this game. This game shouldn't have been played. I mean, the whole time I was watching this thing, I was just thinking to myself, Get Von Miller off the field. Get Bradley Chubb off the field. But yeah. they were very limited in that regard because they decided to sit Shane Ray, as you reported, before the game. He finishes his career as a Denver Bronco with three straight healthy scratches. Uh, I, you know, this regime identified him as a player who wasn't living up to his billing, and I, I honestly agree with that. They have better players on the roster. They waited a little too long to promote Jeff Holland, uh, but other than that, though, I think Shaq Barrett is and always has been a superior player to Shane Ray, and uh, Ray just never blossomed. He had to look like he was in a breakout, and he never capitalized off that. He's been injured a lot, and it just it never materialized. So one of the few things I agree with Joseph about was sitting Shane Ray. What I don't agree with with sitting Stuart Cravens. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, I think it what they're saying, you know, sometimes it's not what they say so much. They communicate more by what they do. And the fact that they're choosing to sit Sua Cravens in the season finale, a young player, I think speaks a lot to kind of the buzz we've been picking up that his future in Denver is very much in doubt, notwithstanding yeah. the fact that they just gave up a whatever it was, Zach, a fourth and a fifth round pick or whatever to acquire him less than a year ago. So yep. Sua Cravens, uh, he, the, the word on the street from our sources is that he has a very questionable work ethic. The word we've been hearing is lazy, disinterested, not engaged. Mm-hmm. And if you notice Vance Joseph, one thing that's extremely important to him for all of his shortcomings, he values players who are quote unquote engaged. And yep. if Cravens isn't, then it's it's no surprise and shock that he's not seeing the field. But let's segue here and talk about the scene that has that kind of unfolded after the game in the Broncos' locker room. Obviously, the expectation, especially with the brand of football the Broncos played in this in the season finale, the expectation is that John Elway is going to wake up tomorrow morning and officially fire Vance Joseph. And so, in the locker room post game. He addressed the Denver Broncos for what is expected to be probably his last time doing so as their head coach. And it was reportedly an intensely emotional scene with multiple players, including Will Parks, crying and weeping openly. Guys like Case Keenum, according to our friend Ryan Koningsberg over at BSN Denver, Case Keenum got emotional himself and said that Joseph delivered a message that he as a player and as a man is going to carry with him for a long time and if I mean you can go down the line all the players after the game just talking about how much they love Vance and you know that's the thing going back to what I said earlier is the disconnect is they love him so much and yet the product on the field does not necessarily reflect you know what you would expect from you know commensurate performance to guys saying I'm going to go run through a wall for this coach who I love so much and I think what Mm -hmm. that really says Zach is that for all of, you know, he's got, we talked about this on the last episode, that, you know, he's a good man. Guys love him. Guys believe that he has their best interest in heart. And I really believe that he he does and did. But he's just simply been in over his head. The guy doesn't have the wherewithal to do what John Elway and that Broncos brass was hoping he could deliver when they hired him two years ago. 
you know, I'll say this for Joseph. One, one thing I noticed watching him on the sidelines today is he didn't look sad. He didn't look worried or nervous or anxious or anything like that. He looked pretty content. He looked pretty – he was relaxed and he was smiling and he was fist, fist bumping other coaches and players and stuff. So uh, he knows the writing's on the wall. And he knows that he gave it two years and he knows, I think, in his heart of hearts – He's not cut out for this job right now. It doesn't mean he can't be a head coach in the future. It doesn't mean he won't get another shot. But he was not the right pick for the Denver Broncos. And he seems like a great guy. I agree with you. He seems like a guy you want to hang out with, grab a beer with. Sure. He's just not the right man to be the coach of the Denver Broncos. It's a tough, tough position. More so in Denver than other places working under John Elway. It's a it's a, a, a pressure cooker, you know. So he it, it didn't work out. It's as simple as that. Good guy, not a good coach for the Broncos right now, and I think he handled it pretty well today. I'll give him that. I mean, again, you you never want to root for a grown man losing his job, but right, absolutely. One of the reasons I think we can assume that VJ wasn't displaying any anxiety about his coming, you know, his his future here in the short term is the fact that look, he's got a job lined up already in Cincinnati, and even if that wasn't going to pan out, he would find something. And the Broncos still have to pay him a few million bucks for next year, for 2019, for his yep. the third and final year on his contract. I believe it's the final year. But anyway, so it's not like he's going to be, you know, standing in line at the soup kitchen. Okay, this guy. Right. And he knows that. So he's probably a long time ago come to terms with the fact that this has been a failure for him. And hopefully, you know, just for the as, as well as for the Broncos, I say this for Vance Joseph, that, you know, we learn – the most from our failures you know the the broncos can take this experience learn the lessons that need to be learned glean you know yield every last drop of wisdom from what's taken place the last two years and then move forward as a better team altogether for it and the same can be said for vance joseph and that's why you see a lot of head coaches on their second time around they are much more productive and effective and able to actually put together that winning formula because they've gone through the trial and error process of figuring out what doesn't work. And so it really helps them through process of elimination, figure out what does work. I agree with that. That was well said. Um, I'll say this about Joseph. Uh, I've been one of his harshest, toughest critics, almost to the point where I'm, I'm being biased and I pride myself on being unbiased, but I've been a tough critic of his. Um, you know, toward the end of his regime this year, I started feeling bad for him, just watching him and he's trying to hold together a sinking ship and he knows he's going to get fired and he's getting all these injuries around him. And there was a chance there the Broncos could have made a playoff run. You know, they were peaking and you thought maybe he finally turns it around. Maybe the light bulb went on. You and I were even singing his praises, Chad. We'd never do that. So after a while, it was just too much to overcome. And no matter the roster talent or whatever, he just couldn't overcome the injuries and his own deficiencies as a coach and um what i saw today was a man a man not a coach who came to terms with his own shortcomings and that that to me is major personal growth so i i do commend him for that if that's the attitude he really has and not just what he's projecting so we'll have to find out how he handles it in the future yeah we'll see how it shakes out for him but in the meantime we got bigger fish to fry as it relates to your denver broncos and what better time than now than to go through and take some of your questions from the mile high mailbag because whether uh, we're sick, under the weather, or not, we are your football priests, and we're here to offer you that absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And obviously, a lot of you guys, you got stuff on your minds this week. Let's get to it. This one comes from Gary Smith on Twitter. He says, it makes me sick saying this, but if Denver can get a haul and have the cashews, using your word there, Zach, to rebuild, 
they may have to look at trading Vaughn. Now, you've been an outspoken critic of the trade Vaughn kind of ethos within mm-hmm. the media, at least. What are your thoughts about at this point? You know, we're, we're talking about literally staring in the face, finally coming to terms with the R word. This is not a reboot. This is not a retool. This is a rebuild. Is Vaughn Miller still an untouchable player in your eyes with that uh, scope? I I don't work for a certain Denver radio station. I don't have to push that narrative, and I won't. I, I don't believe in it. I think it's, it's lunacy. Why would you trade a future Hall of Fame player who's still in his prime, who's still – helping you single-handedly win football games. No, do not trade them no matter what. Um, there's no player that you would trade them for right now, one you know, one versus one, without giving up another draft pick that would help you immediately. The only player you would even consider trading Von Miller for would be a quarterback, and I just don't see a deal like that happening. And, you know, you're not going to trade him to move up in this draft. There's no draft quarterbacks that are great in this draft worth trading Von Miller. So I hate it. I have been outspoken against it. I've said it over and over and over again. He's still a future Hall of Fame player. He's still in his prime. You take him off this defense, they're going to fall off a cliff very, very quickly. Here's one from Esteban Aguilar on Twitter. Any information on what the Broncos will do at quarterback? Probably Keenum will return, but where are they looking to draft or trade for a QB? And here's one thing I'll say on this, and then I'll serve it over to you, Zach, is that – Uh, This is another pitch to you guys why right now is the time for you to become Mile High Huddle VIP subscribers. Go to the website, milehighhuddle.com, find the green banner, click on it, pull the trigger. Between now and the draft, we're going to be dropping all kinds of information. And we picked up some stuff last week, late, late last week, on who the Broncos like in the draft. And I'm not going to give that away on a free podcast. Um, But I will tell you this. You know, the, the idea that, well, the Broncos are probably best off or they're probably going to wait till 2020 to try and solve the long-term quarterback issue or at least go after a quarterback in the draft because the 2019 class is reportedly widely considered to be a shallow quarterback class, especially with Justin Herbert returning. I'm here to tell you that from what we're hearing, that is certainly not the case. They do have their eyes on a particular quarterback. And so we'll see how that shakes out. As we've talked about here on the show many times, a lot is left to happen as it relates to the pre-draft process between now and, and the end of April, including the Combine, the Senior Bowl, Pro Days across the country. So a lot of pieces on the board are going to coalesce between now and then. But suffice to say, Esteban, the Broncos are very much have quarterback on the brain. Keenum's going to return. He pretty much has to, right, Zach? I mean, yeah. they, they got like $10 million dead money if they cut him. I'm sure they'll ask him to take a pay cut. He'll tell them no and he'll stick around. But beyond that, I think the Broncos are for sure going to draft a quarterback. I think they're going to try too high. And right now, as it stands, they are going to have to flip a coin to determine whether they or the Buffalo Bills get the number nine draft pick in the coming draft. If they lose, they'll end up with the 10th pick, which is still not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I think what I'm reading on Twitter right now is I think the 10th is more or less finalized and it will be official tomorrow. So either way, it's a pretty good position. Yeah. Um, quarterback, I, I mostly agree with you. I think Keenum will return if I had to tell you, you know, gun in my head right now. But it will depend on the next coaching staff, uh, their backgrounds, preferences, whether they think they can win with Keenum or not. Uh, but they're paying in too much money. It's $11 million savings, $10 million dead money. You can spread the dead money head out. So that's a possibility. I just think he returns as either a bridge starter or a very highly paid backup unless they fall in love and absolutely fall in love and are smitten by a quarterback. I just see Keenan returning for his last year. 
Yeah, I mean, he's still going to return as a starter, even if they take a quarterback or trade up in the draft. He's he's probably going to return. He's the fail-safe. He's yeah. the pro that's going to show that next quarterback, you know, the way of life in the NFL and how to be a starter. Because for all of his faults, Case Keenum is an experienced veteran, and he is a classy guy, um, notwithstanding all the depredations of 2018. He's just a limited player. And, you know, Nick and Carl do a great job on their podcast to really kind of explain what kind of pieces need to be in place in order for a quarterback of Case Keenum's caliber to succeed. And the truth is the Broncos just aren't there yet. You know, he can basically mm-hmm. keep you as a as an offense. He can keep you on course. He can keep you from completely falling apart. But he's not going to elevate you above and beyond to go on and just start, right. you know, slashing throats and stomping dudes. You know, it's just not the way it's yeah. going to work out. He's a he's a really good backup to have. He's a, an emergency starter, a pinch starter. He's just not a full time starter in the NFL. It is what it is. That's his limitations. And um, I think, like you said, they will get a quarterback of some kind. I don't think a first round quarterback is in the cards. They have other positions to address. Um, but I think you know somewhere in the middle rounds, maybe Daniel Jones, maybe Will Greer, someone like that. One of those kind of quarterbacks. They're not going to obviously Justin Herbert's not an option. And uh, no, I would not spend a first round pick on any quarterback in this. Draft. That's just my opinion. So here's one from Jacob <clears throat> Smith Mile High seventy nine uh, nine seven nine eight on Twitter. His question is: The Broncos quarterback situation in 2019 is, and he's asking us, what is our best case scenario for the Broncos quarterback situation next year? You go first, and then I'll follow up. I, I, the best case scenario is having a young quarterback on the roster developing behind Case Keenum, and that was Chad Kelly. That was the best case scenario because Kelly was this close to taking over for Case Keenum. Um, I would say that they identify a, a young quarterback around the NFL, maybe you know Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, or they fall in love with a quarterback in the draft like Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, someone like that, and then they hit on that guy. And if that guy can be the guy, uh, it's a good pick, a worthwhile pick. That That's the best case scenario, in my opinion. You know, I'd probably have to spend a lot more time uh, mulling this one over and soaking it in. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. But, you know, the best-case scenario would probably be the Philadelphia Eagles put Carson Wentz on the trading block and the Broncos are able to go out and get him, which mm-hmm. was something that was served up to me earlier today on Twitter. And I told 
the fella uh, Taylor at Northern Bronco on Twitter that we would at least address it as far-fetched as it sounds today because you have uh, Nick Foles dropping dimes, doing his thing, getting the Eagles over the hump when it matters most. If this franchise goes on to more playoff success under Nick Foles, I could see possibly there's a ray of sunshine cutting through the dim doubts of clouds on this topic Hmm. that a guy like Carson Wentz, who let's face it, you know, he's three years into his career. Let's see, 16, 17, 18. And two of those years he's, he's finished on IR. And so he's starting to, he's, he's no longer this lock to be, you know, the next Andrew Luck of his time. Like Andrew Luck, those first two, three years he was in the league. I mean, he was basically the next John Elway before the injury bug struck. And fortunately, Indianapolis weathered the storm. They, you know, took it on the chin for a couple of years and they're better off for it, even though, you know, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Uh, But nevertheless, the same could happen, or I should say the inverse scenario could happen in Philly where Carson Wentz might end up getting put on the trading block, even though I have a hard time seeing that happen that that would probably be the best case scenario to me other than that it would be i echo zach in this regard it'd probably be find a long even if he's not the guy that you're going to set your your heart on and hang your hat on as an organization you go out you find an intriguing you know um talented young quarterback in the draft that you can groom at least for a year see where you're at when the 2020 draft rolls around and uh, other than that, it would be trading everything to go up and get a quarterback like Haskins, which I just I'm not sure he's worthy of that. You know, he's per- very right. much a one year wonder. Yeah, I, I'm not crazy about any quarterback in this year's draft. I like Jones and I like Locke, but it's a very, um, you know, tentative love with those prospects. And, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying for the most part. I, I didn't even think of going after a quarterback like uh, Wentz. I didn't think of anything that uh, fanatical. And other than that, though, there's no situation around the NFL where there's a young quarterback who could potentially be pried away. So uh, the Broncos, I'm just tired of them having Band-Aids. No more Band-Aids. They need a long, long long-term face of the franchise under center. It's time already. They can't keep applying veterans to the position and guys that don't fit. They need a young superstar quarterback, and they just they got to find him. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's like, you know, earlier today everyone was talking to me about Teddy Bridgewater, and then he makes his start – in the season finale yeah. with New Orleans and everybody. Yeah, completely underwhelming. And again, what you're doing if you go out and try and get Teddy Bridgewater is he's he's interesting, and who knows? He, he probably has a, a bit taller, bigger upside than a player like Case Keenum. But once again, you're putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. And right now the Broncos need you know corrective surgery basically to get right. this thing fixed to save save them their their lives you know they're in in a very intensive care type situation as a team and a lot of this you know will be determined by who the next head coaching hire is and it was kind of interesting actually Zach we should talk about this you reported on it uh, for the website earlier today before the game but that first report comes out from Ian Rappaport that you know, the Broncos maybe might mull over the idea of keeping Joseph for year three, but if they were to do so, you know, they would tie Gary Kubiak to him as an offensive coordinator, which was, to me, a completely ridiculous report. It's crazy. I mean, it's I don't crazy. Know where that came from. But then the other one that's a little bit more interesting and I think actually more feasible is the idea that the Broncos, the report, I should say, that the Broncos are one of a couple of teams who are interested in going out on a limb and exploring a trade for John Harbaugh. But see, now the Baltimore Ravens made the playoffs again. And I'm telling you right now, they are a team no 
AFC playoff team wants to face this year right. in the in the postseason. And who knows? I mean, all it takes, we've seen it happen before. In fact, the year the Ravens won the Super Bowl under Harbaugh, they were a wild card team just like now where they had to go on the road three times to get to the Super Bowl. They did so, got there, won it all. So there's so much left to be determined there. And if the Broncos try and wait to orchestrate a trade or wait to see if the Ravens are even going to be interested in orchestrating a trade for Harbaugh, they're going to see their best candidates get uh, swooped up by other teams that are in the hunt for head coaches. Um, when I wrote that, I actually said in the article that as of you know the time of this writing, they're leading, and I conditioned it by saying if they win, there's no chance that Harbaugh leaves, and that he's proving why he shouldn't leave. The job he's done this season with Lamar Jackson taking over and that defense coming out of nowhere to finish number one in the NFL, um, you're right, absolutely. They're the hottest team going into the playoffs, and they can make a run, and Harbaugh showed exactly why. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL, so he's not going to be available. That was my number one by far candidate i wanted him more than anyone else it would have been a a a blockbuster hire great hire it's not going to happen uh in terms of the other report though the kubiak vance joseph thing i don't know where rap she got that from but that's totally uh ridiculous yeah i don't see gary kubiak a well-respected coach coming back and working under the guy who replaced him a guy who's you know mocked by everyone and in over his head so it's not going to happen either scenario is not going to happen they're going to have to pick and choose from the second tier and that's what we talked about in the last show chat is the second tier probably starts with Dave Tobe. Yeah, and that's that's really it. If you're not looking at, I mean, if I think still the Broncos are going to try and pursue a retread. My my dream guy on that next tier is Dave Tobe. If you're going to take a chance on a first timer, it's got to be Dave Tobe, in my opinion. But you got Jim Schwartz, you've got Chuck Pagano, you got Mike McCarthy. Now again, as we've talked about before. The Denver Broncos are no no longer darlings in terms of ideal situations for coaches to be drawn to. I mean, even this team compared to, as we talked about last time, the 2011 Broncos in which John Fox was hired to, at least then they had a viable, young, you know, unproven, untapped first-round quarterback one year removed from being drafted in the first round. This time they they don't have that. They don't have anything – to entice an offensive-minded coach. And so if you're out there on the market and you've got the New York Jets offering you a deal or, you know, Green Bay wants to talk to you and John Elway's calling you up, I mean, you got to really be offering me something special, John, if you want me to fly out to Denver and interview for this job because in New York I've got a young uh, top three pick just itching to get some good coaching behind him and see his career take off. And in Green Bay I've got, I basically have, I'm guaranteed a playoff spot almost by virtue of, of Aaron Rodgers. So that's one of the things. Now, here's one from Jedi Joshua 58 on Twitter. He says, another loss. Keenum isn't good with this staff. He's not super good anyway. But are you guys ready for the 10th pick and a new coaching staff? He wants to know, though, he follows this up with, what's your gut check uh, or your gut guess on who the new head coach is? He says, we fans enjoy your guys' opinions. Thanks, Joshua. We appreciate you. But if you had to go out on a limb today, Who's going to be the next head coach? I know who you like, but who's going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos? 
You know, just adding on to your last point, another attractive opening is Cleveland, and they have Baker Mayfield, oh, and yeah. even they look more attractive right. than the Broncos right now. The Broncos are not an attractive opening. They don't have an owner. They don't have a, a, a sponsor for their stadium. They are infighting with their GM and their president. It's not an attractive opening. They're going to have to settle for a second-tier guy. And based on um, Elway's interest, he, he went after Mike Shanahan. He supposedly has interest in John Harbaugh. It leads me to believe that he's going to go after a veteran coach or a retread, and that leads me to believe he'll go after someone who has a resume and Dave Tobe is is the ideal complex you know blend of being a first timer and being experienced at the same time he's never been an NFL head coach but he's respected in league circles like he was so uh, that's my pick I would pick uh, Tobe or I would pick um, Vic uh, Vic Fangio Jim Schwartz you know a guy guy like that a hard-nosed disciplinarian take no BS kind of guy and I will go with bright innovative coordinators um, to uh, round out that staff if I were making a bet, placing a bet on it, I'd say it's going to be either Pagano or Schwartz. If mm-hmm. not one of those two guys, to me, it's going to be Dave Toe. Because here's the thing. You're right. The odds are the Broncos are going to have to, quote, unquote, settle for a second-tier coach. But listen, that isn't the worst thing. Because if you go back to this exact same point in time two years ago and look at what the L.A. Rams were dealing with, Jeff Fisher's jettisoned. And, you know, we've all seen the, the deal on, uh, not Hard Knocks, what was it, uh, All or Nothing on, on Amazon in which he stands in front of the team, Jeff Fisher, and says, I've just been fired, you know, pin drops, etc. Well, flash forward two, three weeks, whatever it was, and the coaching carousel, it's a turn-in. Everyone gets swooped up. Vance Joseph gets hired in Denver. Kyle Shanahan gets hired in San Francisco. The last team really at the table were the L.A. Rams to pick up this young guy, uh, coordinator from Washington Redskins. He was super young, completely unproven. You know, he's a Shanahan slash Gruden disciple. And it, Sean McVay goes on to completely set the NFL on fire. Why? Well, he's a phenomenal coach in his own right, but he also inherited a very favorable situation in terms of having the young quarterback and a roster just teeming with talent. So the Broncos... They might not get that the most highly sought-after coach this time around like they did with Vance Joseph because as much as we can joke about Vance Joseph, let's not forget every team wanted Vance Joseph two years ago. I mean, he was the guy. And so the Broncos got him. And this time around, I don't think they're going to get the number one or number two even uh, head coaching candidate on the market. And so if we're putting ourselves in the mindset where they have to you know, settle, if you will, on a guy – I don't see anybody better than Dave Tobe. I mean, he's coached in the NFL for 17 years. He's learned under two extremely long-tenured and productive, successful coaches in Lovey Smith in Chicago and then Andy Reid in Kansas City. And the, the last two Andy Reid coaches who have branched off the tree to go be head coaches themselves and Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy have hit it out of the park. And so... I think you got to really – and we know also the Broncos like Tobe, even though right. those those interviews with Shanahan and Tobe uh, during the, the Vance Joseph you know hiring process, we know those were kind of perfunctory. They were kind of form just getting these interviews to make it look like they were going through a coaching search because they'd already set their hearts on Joseph, and Joseph wanted the Broncos job. But I don't think they would have interviewed Tobe and gone through the process if there wasn't some part – of them, you know, their heart, so to speak, where they're like, you know, maybe he can convince us. We'll see what he has to say type thing. But all that being said, 
to me, it makes most sense that you see Dave Tobe end up here. Otherwise, they might quote unquote settle for a guy like Chuck Pagano, who, you know, I could psych myself into Zach getting behind a Chuck Pagano hire if, and this is a big if, the right coordinator hires were made underneath him. I absolutely agree. And this is the thing that I, I kind of struggle with. As much as I want the Broncos to avoid hiring another Vance Joseph, another inexperienced guy, as much as I want them to to go for the safe route with a retread or a veteran, I want that next up-and-comer. I want that next offensive innovator. I want the next McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Frank Reich, Matt, Matt Nagy. So it's tough. What I would do, though, I would go for the safer choice of head coach. And this is echoing your point. Maybe someone like Dave Tobe or uh, Pagano or Jim Schwartz. But I would go with creative coordinators. Zach Taylor at OC. Uh, uh, someone someone in college. You know, oh, someone yeah. who can, you know. And the good thing about them is you can make them head coaches in waiting. So it's pretty much like you have the next head coach on the roster already. And you don't have to gamble with another first-timer managing the entire team. So that's the direction I go in. So, you know, they talk about um, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. He's supposedly going for NFL interviews. Dave Tobe, Cliff Kingsbury, and Todd Bowles. Who Mm. says no to that staff? Yeah. And I tweeted about that earlier today that, you know, Todd Bowles, for all his faults, I could get really excited about him. Great coordinator. As a Broncos defensive coordinator. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. I think – you know, for today, though, with Zach being under the weather, that, that's got to do it. There's more questions in the mailbag about who some of the Aquaman we see you, about your question developmental quarterbacks in the third round or later. Nick Ryan wants to know what the compensation might look like. if El- Maybe we, we can answer that one. Nick Ryan says on Twitter, what would a trade look like for John Harbaugh? We all know Elway's okay. not going to give up what it took for the Bucks to acquire John Gruden. I'd be cool, he says, with a fourth and a conditional second question mark. What what would you be what would be a reasonable sum to give up in your mind, Zach? And maybe neither of us are the most educated in terms of, you know, what such a, a coach would be worth in terms of trade capital, but off the cuff, what would you be willing to give up if you were John Elway? First of all, I can keep going. As long as people don't mind my voice squeaking, I can keep answering this question. So uh, in terms of uh, compensation for John Harbaugh, supposedly what Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk reported is that the Ravens want two first-round draft picks, which is way, way too rich for my blood. One first-round pick would be too rich for my blood. I wouldn't give that up for a head coach. Uh, realistically, I floated a trade on Twitter. I'd say a second-rounder and Emmanuel Sanders, something like that. Uh, that would be pretty fair, I think, for both sides. But it's I don't. It's not going to happen either way. Uh, but supposedly they want two first-round picks, which to me is insane. As for Aquaman's question here uh, about who a – let's see, he says, what developmental quarterbacks might be available in the third round or later? Keenum for one more year, UG in parentheses. But we need somebody who might step in. We need that Chad Kelly, right, is basically what he's saying. We need some viable uh, backup quarterback that at least has some long-term upside. So let me let me at least share with you real quick here. Here's uh, what Eric Trickle, he's our senior draft analyst. Here's what his top 10 quarterbacks in this class, this is after the news, of course, that Justin Herbert is returning for his senior year at Oregon. Here's what Trickle has. Number one, Haskins. Number two, Jones. That surprises me. Number mm. three, Drew Locke. Four, Rippon. Five, Stick. Six, how do you say that name? Minshew? 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 Yeah, Minshew. Yeah. Finley's number seven. Will Greer, he has at eight. So if we're going off of Eric's big board, now listen, Eric's board was used by multiple mock draft sites last year. 
Um, so he's he's well regarded in the draft Nick community. If we're going off what his board, and he's one of the few guys early on from about the combine on that was saying Baker Mayfield's going to go number one. Everyone was laughing that if a quarterback's going to go number one, it's going to be the USC kid who ended up going number three. So you know Trickle Trickle has he's pretty plugged in to what's happening there. So if we go off of his his board, maybe a Rippin, maybe a Greer, possibly. I mean. You watch Greer's tape, he freaking lights it up. And Nick, you know, he's very quick to bring me back down to earth about how quarterback-friendly West Virginia's system is. But, I mean, that's kind of – if you're looking third round and after, I, I would imagine Greer's going to be swooped up, notwithstanding Eric's board, long before the third round. But we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, the thing about this class is, is there's no Andrew Luck, there's no generational quarterback. The entire class is pretty much all developmental quarterbacks. So, um, I would that's why I would not invest a first round draft pick. And it's so hard to answer right now on December 30th without knowing the combine, the pre-draft process, the interviews. Yeah. You know, so they will grab a quarterback, and I think a third, fourth round pick for that QB is, is a good spot for them. And I like Will Greer. I like Minshew. If you're talking about a strictly pocket guy, mm-hmm. a, a Chad Kelly. Um, uh, kind of a gunslinger type, that's a guy you can develop with the next coaching staff, and that's why I want a young, innovative mind, either mm-hmm. a head coach or coordinator. I like Daniel Jones quite a bit. He's grown on yep, me the more so. more tape of his I've watched. But, you know, to paraphrase or to quote you, I should say, Zach, it's coaching, 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 because yep. you look at Haskins and you go, well, one-year wonder, he put up 40-plus touchdowns, had this phenomenal season at Ohio State. How can you go all in in taking him in the top five when he just seems to be one year well it comes down to the do you have the right coach because when the bears took mitchell trubisky a one-year wonder at north carolina in the top five it was the wrong move in terms of connecting him with that coach now fortunately it paid off in the long term for chicago because they finally got the right coach pairing him with matt Nagy. now you've got a bona fide duo from coach to quarterback that can make some noise in the nfc north for the next 10 years or at least that's how it appears today i mean We'll see how it shakes out. So maybe if you get the right hire, you could see a front office in in Denver coming around to the idea that, you know what, we can sell out. Maybe we can move up and get a Haskins or a Drew Locke, depending on how the board ends up coalescing once you get the combine, how he performs at the combine, how he looks at his pro day and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's what it comes down to, though. A good coach, just look at what, I mean, under – um, what was his name? Jeff Fisher's guy. I can't remember who his offense. Oh, oh, what was his name? It was a weird name. Under Jeff Fisher's coordinator and quarterbacks coach, you had Jared Goff looking pedantic. I mean, people were starting to use the B word as it relates to Goff even one mm-hmm. year into his career. And then all of a sudden you get the right coach in there. <clears throat> He's an MVP candidate. It's all about coaching. It's what it comes down to. It's why I say that over and over and over again, because even with better coaching this season, Keenum would have been better. You know, Musgrave wasn't the right fit for him, Vance Joseph. It's all coming down to coaching. It's also the chicken or the egg, though. Is it Brady who makes Belichick or Belichick who makes Brady? You know, so the Broncos have to find the right coach, and that coach will have input on picking the next quarterback, whether that's Keenum, whether that's a a free agent or a, a current NFL quarterback, or whether that's a rookie quarterback. It all comes down to coaching and who they want, and Elway has to get it right. He's improving. He had a, a terrific draft class. Now he has to show that he can pick the right head coach. That's right. But, hey, you know what? I'll be the one to uh, kibosh this. We've, I think we've had a good discussion. It's a, solid, okay. uh, it's a solid late Sunday night podcast 
for our listeners to sink their teeth into, whether they listen to it tonight or Monday morning. And then, obviously, we're going to stay very well plugged into the HAPS at Dove Valley on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to be bringing to you all the news, updates, info, analysis on what happens next for the Denver Broncos. So make sure you're staying on top of the website each and every day, milehighhuddle.com, easiest way to get there, part of the 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports Digital Network. And then also from on the podcast side, as we've uh, joined the the overtime podcast, the media overtime media, uh, we're going to be coming to you twice a week. So probably I don't think Zach and I have actually sat down and determined with it being the off season officially starting this week, what days we're going to start podcasting. We'll put that together. We'll let you know as soon as possible. But but we will be coming back to you later this week. So Zach, get some rest. You know <laughs> I gave you the secret, dude. Raw garlic, right? Go find yourself some raw garlic. You're not going to get any kisses from your girl for a night or two. <laughs> but go eat yourself some raw garlic cloves. Don't mash them up. Take them out of the, you know, cr- get them out of there, uh, out of the whatever, the, the shell. Chew them up and gut it, swallow it, drink water, orange juice, whatever it might be to get it down. And it will cut the life of your cold in half. It'll cut the symptoms, the severity of the symptoms in half. So there's a, there's a little uh, tip for you there from Dr. Chad. You know, it sounds disgusting, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I, I hope it you – know, I was going to go with echinacea, but, you know, or ricola, the cough drops. But I'll try the garlic uh, the garlic mixture. We'll see what happens. I'm telling you, it works. It has a compound in it called allicin, and uh, it just – it cuts it in half, and it really gets your immune system. Because one thing people don't realize, when you get sick, people think, oh, this virus is making me sick. Actually, the reason you feel like crap and your throat gets scratchy and your body starts producing mucus and you start getting sore and achy, it's not because of the vi- – I mean, the virus is the actual thing that's causing it, but it's your immune system response to this foreign invader that sets everything in flame and makes you feel all the symptoms. So – it's that inflammatory process that creates the symptoms that you want to cut in half. That's what the Allison does, my brother. It gets your immune system stoked up and goes, okay, bam, 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 starts batting down the hatches. You know, I think you're in the wrong business, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should put some kind of disclaimer out there that I'm not a you know, medical Licensed physician, yeah. yeah. But no, hopefully you get feeling better soon, bro. And appreciate um, that. When we get back together later this week, I'm sure you'll be you'll be standing. I'll be good. Again. I'll, I'll be good. I'll get back talking about Broncos, Broncos country, talking to you. I'll be good. I'll be good. I appreciate it though. And you know he's going to be on Twitter dropping knowledge. So follow oh, yeah. him there at Kellerman twenty four seven. You can find me at Chad and Jensen. And again, a, re- a reminder, you guys get in on the mailbag. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a creative review, rate the show, and keep your chin up because the next few days, next week or two, is going to be super exciting. A lot of stuff swirling around Dove Valley. So rest assured, we'll be coming to you again soon. We'll, We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. 